Don't forget to lean forward. Oh, I mean, it can't be any closer to my face. <laughs> you, do, you do your usual. I know, but I'm already le- I'm like I pulled it into my lean back. There we go. It's, there we go. In my space. It's, yeah, it's close. <laughs> yeah. All right, good. How's your day been, Matt? Nineteen <laughs> k on the treadmill this morning, Christopher. No. Done. Nineteen. That's it. I'm ready. Kilometers asleep in bed. Uh, yeah, I'm ready for the half now. Yeah, she's doing it. Yeah, two weeks. No. That's it. No. Taper down. The taper down box. <laughs> Cut a couple of little uh, jogs this week, <laughs> next week, and then we'll go for the big one. I'm hoping. I'm hoping adrenaline will get me sub two. I'll come and stand there and cheer you on with a beer in hand. I, I will be there. Yeah. Yeah. There's a cold one waiting for you when you're done. <laughs> Get quicker. Yeah, go. Brilliant. I'm like, mate, they're lapping you. Yeah. Speed up. <laughs> so how's the training going? Uh, sick. No. Um, ups and downs, peaks and troughs at the moment. A little lack in motivation. Um, but I found my mojo a little bit last week. Just getting back into some sort of routine. Like it's hard because they think you know PTs we plan stuff for people, but it's actually really hard to plan for yourself. So a lot of trainers get trainers to plan for them mm. but I'm kind of just being stubborn um, so I worked in like a few new things started bringing my snatch back in and yeah just trying different things mixing it up lots of circuit training do that three times a week now so um, yeah just settling back into a groove I think mm. it's been a busy start to the year as well like honestly the weather as mm. well not the one um, but just routine 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 there are a few things in the diary looking forward to. I was going to say, have you got anything on the horizon? Um, I mean, nothing nothing extravagant. Potentially a little trip to Barcelona. Um, that's about it, really. Special project? Maybe a little secret project. Love it. Uh, coming soon. Good. Um, but no, not really. Like, I want to go on holiday um, July. Got a stag do coming up. Um, so, like, things to look forward to, just to grinding away, really. Mm. Yeah, that's um, good. So we've got uh, some good episodes coming up as well, right? Mm-hmm. We've got a good few weeks of recording coming. Um, this week we're going to drop Gaz's episode, which was recorded back in January. I know, it feels like ages ago. I know, I know. <laughs> I know. So he's now up in London, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, working with the, the military gym? No, was it? Military training, I think Bear Grylls taking it over. Yeah. Once franchise like franchise now, so, up there. Yeah. In Battersea, I think it is. Battersea Park. Yeah, no, I think he's doing well from what I've seen. So he's yeah, a positive bloke, so he's always going to smash it no matter what he did. So, yeah. Yeah, it's good. And a uh, little fact check for this week's episode. <laughs> One of my stories, a little bit of uh, misinformation. So Andy's is a sushi place in Tokyo. He's actually from uh, Leicester, not Sheffield. Not Sheffield. <laughs> as I said in the podcast. But uh, if you do find yourself in in, uh, in Tokyo, I would highly recommend checking that place out. So here we go, guys. Episode four, throwing it back to January with Gaz. He's going to take us through his journey, his story, um, some adver- adversity he's he's overcome. And yeah, let us know what you think. So Gaz, Bath Fitness Cast, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. And hopefully we can shed a little bit of light to the community of Bath on you and a bit more about your background. You know, everyone knows Gaz, you know, that's how I met you. You're the manager at F45, my boss, effectively. Um, but yeah, maybe just give people a little bit of an insight into 
who you are, what made you who you are, and sort of, you know, what's next, you know, um, not necessarily goals. I know you don't want to talk about your goals and they're personal, but just like future plans where you see where you see life going. So let's start it off. Um, I know you did a lot of Taekwondo as a kid, as an athlete. Um, so maybe share a little bit about how you came into Taekwondo, why you came into Taekwondo, um, when you stepped away from it um, and just sort of, yeah, go for it. Sure, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me on, boys. <laughs> um, taekwondo, so from the age of four, always involved in martial arts. Um, I moved around a lot when I was a kid. My old man was in the army, uh, RAF, sorry. And first day at school, bang, punch in the nose. <laughs> Big nose me. My mum was like, right, we're going to get you to a keto class. Um, I cried throughout the whole class. <laughs> Absolutely hated it. And the, the, the instructor, the guy, he was like, he's a little terror, but he's a good fighter. <laughs> so I was forced to go to this class. This big angry man was shouting at me. I'd cry every single time. Uh, but no, from there it was judo, a little bit of karate, a little bit of boxing. Uh, taekwondo was my natural thing. Long legs, long arms. I was good at point scoring. And um, yeah, just kind of went on from there. Did you, find that that, um, did you find that sort of as a young age brought a bit of discipline? Massively. So I don't want kids, but I think if I did have kids, I would make them do martial arts. Um, it teaches you respect your elders. You've got to earn things. If you want that black belt, you have to work hard for it. It's not just given to you. Same with anything in life. If you want a pay rise, you know, you've got to work for it. If you want that promotion, you've got to work for it. Um, so yeah, martial arts are kind of key to my core values as a person. Um, big with respect as well. Yeah. You hear that a lot about boxing as well, right? I think I think any sport, if I'm honest, like the things that I took away from my sport are the person I am today. And I think they correlate quite a lot. Obviously, maybe a little bit different in martial arts and uh, the guy that trains you or your master or whatever he's called is there has to be like the utmost respect for that individual. 100%. Which again, shapes who you are today. So did you, competitions, you know, accolades, were you any good at it? Oh, I was all right, yeah, I wasn't too bad. <laughs> um, my first ever tournament was the British Championships when I was eight years old. Um, and my coach, I wasn't even a belt at the time. Didn't have a gi, a dough box, they're called in Taekwondo. And he gave me his, his son's dough box. He put a yellow belt around me. He's like, go in there. you probably get a <laughs> nose bleed. You might get beaten up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And I actually ended up winning 12 fights and I won the British Championships in my first wow. ever tournament at really? eight years old. Wow. And that's when I realised like, oh, I'm, I'm, good I'm actually all right at this. Um, I'll never forget the final on that as well. The kid and the dad were in my ear the whole time. Like, we're going to knock your head off. My son's going to destroy you. I sort of walked into, it's Matt's in Taiwan. I walked in, I was like, oh my God, what, what am I doing? <laughs> this guy comes running towards me. I just put my foot in his face, three points. <laughs> and I was like, because in Taekwondo, up to a blue belt, it's a uh, point sparring. So right. you can see your points going up as you're sparring and you're looking over. It's like, oh man, I'm, I'm four points ahead. I've got this. So can you not see that as you get up to senior? Does that You can, but um, it's a little bit different. So it goes into continuous sparring once you're, you're past blue belt. Okay. Um, and then it's just, you're always going, you haven't got time to look back. Unless, unless you're absolutely dominating your opponent. Yeah. But that was ITF. There's two different versions. WTF is the Olympic version. Oh, right. So okay. I won a ton of medals in ITF. Uh, two national championships, seven Southwest championships. And the good thing about that, I did a lot of boxing. ITF, you can use your hands a lot more. It's very similar to kickboxing. WTF, the Olympic version, it's very traditional. You see they have the bodyguards on. It's not as exciting. Mm. Apologies to anyone that's uh, <laughs> listening to this. Phrase right at 45. <laughs> so yeah, I transferred to WTF, got my back belt on that, um, jumped on the circuit, and the goal was to get in the Olympic squad for 2012. That was the goal. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Um, I chose to get to university, a few politics. It's, that door's closed, yeah. another door opened. 
But I enjoyed my times in WTF. I won another national championship, so I got on the circuit. And because of my ITF background, a lot of people I fought were like, oh my God, this guy, like, where did you train? Where did you learn to put this pressure? And um, yeah, I enjoyed my times. From there, I went into semi-pro mixed martial arts. 17 years old, bone skinny. I was the same height as I am now, 6'2", 58 kilos. Um, walked into the gym and they partnered me up with the two girls. <laughs> yeah, so how do you feel about that? <laughs> um, they also didn't know my background in Taekwondo, so I was taking it nice and easy with the girls. And then um, after a little bit of sparring, they realized that, oh, shit, this guy can actually mm. inflict some damage. <laughs> so, so I think that's a, an important uh, distinction to make, right? Because <clears throat> after this after this podcast, I'm absolutely sure people are going to go onto your website, they're going to look at your socials, and they're going to see a guy who is, uh, you know, competed in uh, bodybuilding, and, you know, you're, you're a unit, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that far, like. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like you said, you know, 58 kilos, six at two. Yeah. That, that's been hella transformation. I think it's been what? Probably 10, 12 years? Yeah, so eight, eight years, I think. Eight. I finished my last uh, MMA fight when I was 20 or 21 years old. Eight, eight years, yep. about that time. Um, but yeah, the goal was like, it started off, I'm fed up of being skinny. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't take you seriously. Mm. And I thought, oh, I want to look good for the beach. Went to Ironac with the boys. My yeah. so goal <laughs> was, I have to look the best. <laughs> you should I did, I did. Yeah. I got there, I was still skinny, but I was ready. And then... Training in the gym is very easy compared to fighting. Right. It's like, when you do an MMA, you have something called shark tanking. I don't know if you've heard of it before. No. It, they do it a lot in boxing. So you'd be in the ring and you have six rounds. Every time, every round, you've got a fresh guy that you're fighting. So you're three rounds in, you're dying, and you've got a fresh opponent. And that is just brutal. Right. You're dizzy, you get smacked in the face, <laughs> your ankle's getting twisted. And then after you've done your shark tank, you've got a 20 minute S&C session that you need to do, which is just disgusting. I'm sure you know what about this. You know, well, I mean, to a degree, there's no shark tanking in swimming. <laughs> if there was, it would be a little bit different. It's, it's the same thing as pushing your body's limits there yeah. and putting you to a place where you don't want to be. I think I think the good thing in like your story and your journey, especially saying, you know, 58 kilos at six foot two, that's one hell of a frame you've got, or what, we, what I like to call a coat hanger. So okay. you've got everything you need, but then obviously, the size of you now, you, you definitely ain't 58 kilos now. No, 107 is the heaviest of you. Right, there we go. So exactly, but then if you then go, okay, well, how long did it take you to achieve that? I think that's a good like a good highlight point in the fact that everyone's looking for that quick fix in fitness or in it's the gym. Then. or It doesn't exist. Oh, if I come and do PT with you for 12 weeks, um, I've just had a client come on, he's sending me photos of Tom Hardy. He's like, will I look like this after 12 weeks? And I'm like, well, no, you give me three years, maybe we could do something. But that's just... For me, highlighted the fact that okay, you're almost double up on weight. You're in shape. You know, you've competitive bodybuilding, but it took you the best part of like eight years to get to well, the physique. Exactly. Yeah. So that that for me is like just a critical point right there for people that are listening. There's no no cutting corners. There's no quick fix. It will take time. Just back yourself and keep keep going. Like it is attainable. A lot of this podcast again and some of the topics that we'll get throughout the year um you know and we touched on it on my episode like overcoming adversity and obviously a lot of people that know you guys and you're a fantastic salesman you're a fantastic pt you're always always positive you know i was reading you the other day when we were just stood there chatting and then you answered the phone and it was a completely different person but it was just like you were in sales role and it's it's great to see you know a lot of people don't get the time to see 
the real you, the real Matt, the real me, because people don't have time to share their stories. And I overcame a lot of adversity throughout my career. And obviously, having spent the time to get you, get to know you, I know your journey wasn't easy and just thought, you know, but that, that made you who you are today. And just wondered if you wanted to maybe shed a little bit of light on some things that basically changed your life, but made you such... Yeah, sure. Person. I kind of have to be positive. My job title is head of optimism. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I can't be a pessimist. Thing. I'd probably lose my lose my job. Um, but yeah, I had to overcome a fair bit. Uh, when I was eleven years old, my mum got diagnosed with terminal cancer. Um, this is why I'm so big on mindset because the doctor said she's got three months to live. She was riddled with the stuff, bones, organs, a lot. Um, I was such a little terror in school. She was determined to see me pull through with at least a couple of GCSEs, and she lived three and a half years, pushing wow. me through school, making me study and. It was tough watching watching your own mum, you know, going through chemotherapy, radiotherapy, losing her hair, being sick at night when, when your dad's not around and you've got to kind of step up and be the man of the house when you're 11, 12 years old. Mm. Um, but she lived for three and a half years with something that was supposed to kill her in three months. That's mad. And then a month after I got my GCSEs, off, off, off she went, she passed really? away. And at the time I didn't realise, but it was about a year later, I was reflecting on the situation. I thought, that is... Definite, definite mindset. She defied science. It's just pure grit, you know, getting your teeth dug in and making sure your son is going to leave school with some half decent grades. She did it, goal accomplished, and then she, she could relax and, and, you know, rest in peace. But yeah, watching that, it definitely shaped me as a person. And um, it makes me think, you know, you never know what's around the corner. So try everything, have an open mind in life. And that, that's one of the reasons I was so good at fighting, I think, is because I use that as a channel for my negative energy. I could have gone down a very bad route. I've got uh, a couple of friends who have had something similar happen to them. They've turned to drugs and alcohol. And luckily I was involved in Taekwondo. So I think that's what stopped me from going down that route, perhaps. I don't know. But yeah, I just channeled all my aggression into fighting for a good three or four years. Um, Kind of bottled up all my emotions, which I didn't recommend doing if if you're watching this. It is the worst thing you could do. You can pretend you're tough and macho, but eventually it's going to catch up with you. And um, when I was about 19, I got real bad depression to the point where I wanted to end it and you know not do anything at all and um i had a good counselor he pulled me through it and um from there it's just realizing i'm very in touch with my mental health now it's realizing certain things staying in a routine the gym is fantastic <laughs> keeping your keeping your Preach. yourself happy you know that endorphin rush is a real thing and just staying in a routine and making sure you've always got little goals no matter how big your goal is setting yourself little small steps take them off the list keep moving forward but yeah that's a that's kind of what makes me tick a little bit, yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing that. That was, you know, that's not an easy thing to talk about, but you know, it's it's shaped who you are. You've overcome a lot through adversity, and like you said in the process, learn a lot about yourself. And you know, even the mental health thing, which I relate to, is sport. Sport can do a lot for that, and then obviously that's taken me to the gym. Whereas you'll understand that you just said it is. It can do so much. Just declutter your head, the endorphins, that kick, whatever it is, that feel-good factor. You come out, you're so much better for it. It's decluttered the brain. And it's it's an easy routine to maintain once you get into it. But like anything, you've got to work to create the habit or the routine. It doesn't just come around in one day. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, with that, I just took the positives from it. You, whatever happens to you in life, you can choose to like, get through a negative mindset and through, or through a positive mindset. Um at the time, my old man, he kind of walked out my life three months later, so I had to bring myself up. And I just looked at it, I'm like, right, this is it, take it on the chin. What can I do to give myself the best chance of achieving what, to, what I want to achieve? 
And it, you'll be surprised if you look at something, it can look totally different from a negative mindset to a positive mindset. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm big on. Play, play the best hand with the cards you dealt. Exactly. Right? There you go. Yeah. It's a game yeah. of poker. No, that's great insight. Appreciate it. And um, something that I'm really passionate about is uh, when you're in a gym, you're working out on a treadmill, whatever, and there's a person next to you. And quite often, you never strike up a conversation, right? Yeah. But you're making assumptions. It's just mm. a natural habit to make assumptions on the person. Yeah, this guy or girl is huge. They're lifting so much more. Or actually, they're huge and they're lifting nothing. Are they just coming back from injury? You make an assumption, right? You don't know. And you see people running out on the street um, this time of year in particular, and you think, oh, it does running really help you get in shape, but that might be the first time they've ever put on their trainers, yeah. right? And so there's all these assumptions that people make, and, and what Chris and I have found through uh, chatting to people, whether it be in the gym, particularly what you guys do, you obviously get to know your clients more, but for someone who is part of the community of, of the kind of fitness industry, when you get chatting to people, everyone's got a story, everyone's kind of going after a goal. And that's why I just find this whole kind of industry really fascinating, ultimately, that um, you know people are using different motivations, history or future goals to fuel their, their, their kind of passion, right? And uh, that in itself, I think, is just a, a brilliant element in, in, the, in the, the psychological element of the business, almost. Absolutely right. And that's why I think it's just be nice. It's not hard to be nice to people, is it? <laughs> yeah. You don't know what that person's been through that day or you haven't walked exactly. in their shoes. So you don't know what makes them tick. Just yeah. be nice and be helpful. Yeah. So, okay, that's perfect in terms of Taekwondo, your background, where you've got to a little bit of the competitive um, bodybuilding scene. What what came next? So what, you know, you shut the door, like you said, you shut that door, another one opened. Like, what door opened? Where did we go was, from uh, that? So I never planned on going to university as a kid. I was a little terror in school, didn't have the grades to go to uni. It was never Sounds on really <laughs> sure you know about that. I got a little bit lucky. Uh, so I got to college, luckily I had a, a sports teacher in PE at school who invested a lot of time in me to make sure I got an A star in PE. Um, and that's the only thing that got me into college. Mm. That and my Taekwondo scholarship, I was part of the academy. Uh, so they kind of turned a blind eye that I failed maths and English. It's something that, you know, I've never gone back to revisit because why I don't need to. Exactly. You have calculators, you walk around, phone in your pocket every day, I don't need to. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I got into college, smashed my college stuff, um, part of the academy there, moved on to university, and I'd finished university, uh, I finished Taekwondo by the time I went to uni, but I still got a grant, a grant scholarship because of what I'd done in Taekwondo. They didn't know at the time that I was never going to do Taekwondo again, did a little bit of training, never actually uh, represented the university. Mm-hmm. That's when I got into my mixed martial arts, and then after that, first year at uni, I was like, right, I want to bulk up. I was looking at the guys who compete on stage in WBFF or mm-hmm. FPB. So if I can get to a point where I can step on stage and not stick out like a person, <laughs> I'll be super happy with myself. And I kind of made a little plan in university, like, right, I need to get my sports science degree. It's a great opportunity that I'm here. I don't have the grades to be here, but I've definitely got the mindset to do it. And mm. if I apply my mind to it, it it's easy pickings. So uh, yeah, three years at uni, I launched my PT business in my second year. Didn't have a car at the time. So I was doing little PT circuits in the field, with my friends and my mum and dad. Earned some good money doing that. Uh, got involved in sales because being a PT, you can be the best PT in the world. But if you can't sell yourself, you're never going to make a living from it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the door's closed. So most most trainers, they give up after six months in the industry. Uh, so I got involved in sales, worked up to a GM role at Anytime Fitness. Um, went on to regional manager stuff. Uh, always ran my business on the side and kind of helped um, franchisees with their business. Six years later, F45. 
uh, with James Haskell, and he's a he's a funny guy to, to work for. He's, he's a good, good lad. Yeah. He's an absolute unit. That's the definition of a unit. <laughs> yeah, that's he's kind of like, I think he's 120 kilos. He's as big big at the back as in the, on the front. So I, I went over Huge. to Japan for the for the World Cup, okay. and it just so happened that uh, Haskell was staying in the same hotel that, that uh, we were staying in nice. ahead of the England quarterfinals. And um, you know, you see him walking around. You saw a lot of the guys walking around the around the hotel and stuff. But it's not until you sit in a restaurant next to these guys that they are the next level we went to this amazing sushi bar under the arches of the train station and and we'd heard about it because there was this guy of all places from Sheffield moved to Japan and set up his own sushi bar and we were like as you do do. and we were like yeah (laughs) and so we were thinking "Mm, we're in Japan authentic sushi we're going to a guy from Sheffield who runs this it's Andy's right if if you're in Japan Tokyo check it out it's amazing but we'd heard about it because the All Blacks had eaten there Right, so we were thinking, oh, it was our first day, we were a bit jet-lagged. And uh, we went in, and the South African back, lo- back row were in there. These guys are ginormous, like six foot eight. And they were, you know, kind of these, um, uh, a load of fans were in there. And they were so gracious with their time, right? Because obviously, these fans had travelled all the way over from yeah. South Africa. They were just super excited. They were all in their 50s. We were chatting to them afterwards. And they were like school kids, because these back, the back row of the South African guys were there. But when you, when you uh, end up next to them, you realise just how big these guys are. Yeah. Like, and, and when you then see how much you eat <laughs> yeah. to fuel that frame, it's yeah. pretty impressive, right? Yeah. So Haskell being one of those as well. So I'm yeah, sure... He's, he's six foot four, I think. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not used to lucking up at most people when I speak to I'm 6'2". And he comes in, you're lucking up at him, he's, he's a big guy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a surreal feeling. Yeah. So just take a step back. So it was um, when you were doing the, uh, I guess, the leadership journey within the business yep. side of things. What were you learning? Because Chris and I have sort of said about this podcast being about the independent scene, right? But in Bath, there are some of the bigger national chains of, of, um, of gyms and, you know, that, that are out there. Pure Gym and Anytime Fitness and... Yep. And those companies are, they have a scalable model that work across the country. And I think you said on one of our episodes, Chris, that it's, it's maybe aimed at a clientele as well, like the students and stuff yeah. like that. But inside the system, were you learning quite a bit around, you know, leadership, general management, the business side, or was it just more running a, a particular gym? Or what did you take from that, which you've applied into your so, uh, business now? I've, I've been working in gyms since I was 16. As soon as I got qualified as a trainer at 16, bang. Got, got involved with fitness instructor, did my level three. And my mindset was, I now want to start my own franchise eventually. And I just wanted to be a sponge and soak absolutely everything up. Uh, a lot of it I disagree with. A, a lot of the models, I won't mention any names. Sure. It's a burn and churn kind of thing. It's like, take your sales consultants, work, 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 we PTs, burn them to the ground so they've got nothing left to give out the door in with the new. And that's something I didn't like. So when I got into a region manager role where I could kind of change that a little bit. I like empowering your staff, coaching them. Um, you can tell when you sit down with someone if they've got the drive to <laughs> study a little bit more, work an extra half hour every day and grow. And I would just watch absolutely everything. Um, and I'm quite unique in the way I would do the business side of things, the management and the sales, the marketing. But I always kept my PT roots because looking up the ladder when you get to big directors and national directors of fitness first, a lot of them are out of shape. They're not in shape. They don't actually train themselves, yet they're running these multi-billion pound companies that are affecting me, like me, me and you. We train at uh, franchises, right? Um, and they have a big say on our training and, and the health industry itself. And I thought, I never want to be like that. I want to get to that level, but I want to keep my roots to the PT. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it just opened my mind to a different, different way of thinking. Ultimate credibility, right? Yeah, and 
I think if you get to the top and you're not involved in the industry, you can't look yourself in the mirror and think, I'm proud of, of what I'm doing. So that's something that's really important to me. So when you're looking at your client base, do you have an optimum kind of amount of people? Because we'll talk about your online business in a bit. And, and I know that's changed the game for a lot of trainers to be able to, to almost have that subscription model, reach out to people far, do the check-ins. Uh, I know Chris has, Chris has aspirations to do some of that in the future as well. Do you have an optimum level that you feel like that you want to get to so you can give that level of personal attention, but also not yeah, you need to make it a worthwhile, scalable business for you as well, right? And, and grow it. So Definitely, yeah. So I actually dropped quite a few clients uh, towards the tail end of last year because uh, I want to change the things, the way that money flows in my business. I was spending the whole Sunday checking in with, with people and sending a daily email. And my girlfriend was just sat there waiting for me to finish work. And it's like, <laughs> this, is, this is not worth it. So I'm putting more emphasis on my subscription business where I can, uh, I've called it Gaza Circle. It's got health, fitness, nutrition, downloadable workout plans basically the whole shebang if you want to transform your body in six months you can do it through my website realistically speaking um, and I just want to create a hub for trainers and people who want to transform their body they can log on it doesn't take any time off me because the video content is all on there I'll post about three or four videos a week on there keep updating it with training plans it's got daily workouts and that for me is a much easier way to manage my time whilst getting the same financial reward that I was getting from the clientele check-in Training people online is great. I've been doing it since 2013. And it's fantastic to connect with people from different countries. I've trained people in America before, never met them, and they've got fantastic body transformations, and that's nice. But if you're not very good at organizing your time, like myself, that's organization is something I need to improve this year. It's uh, it's tough, yeah. Well, that's, that's definitely what I found. It's only my first year in the industry, but you just, someone comes to you and wants, wants your help, you just say yes, whether it's online, whether it's, yeah face-to-face -face. and my goal was always to be like time management is have that work-life balance and initially like starting with seven hours a week at f45 which i mentioned before to then the tail end of this year like being run into the ground because i can't say no is that's the whole push towards getting that online presence and balance right so that you can drop a few classes and then spend, let's say, two three hours of admin on a thursday or a friday doing your check-ins and <clears throat> stuff like that that's that's the goal for me. But like you said, it's it's hard to find that pinnacle of balance where it's just it just works. Like you said, your lady's waiting around for you to finish because you're busy all week. So you're doing your check-ins late evening on a Friday or a Saturday or a Sunday when you're supposed to be spending time with friends, family, loved ones. And you're like, no, no, I just, I've got to do this, got to do this. And they're sort of sat there twiddling their thumbs. So it's, I, I completely, completely relate. <laughs> What's interesting is, Chris and I have mentioned many times in our own conversations about finding the time to train, right? And, and, and so people like me that are kind of on the amateur side of this, who just want to stay fit and healthy and, and, you know, have some personal goals, trying to do that around a career, ironically, it's actually no different for a trainer, right? Because you're, train you're putting so many of your available hours into your client base. Um, yes, you might get a window in the middle of the day where you can get an hour in or whatever it may be, but then your admin then kind of eats into your personal life. And so I, it's not actually that different, whether you're a PT who needs to kind of 
represent what they want their clients to see, right? Because as we've just mentioned, you can't be out of shape and then be a TPT. I have there are some of those. <laughs> there's a few and you're like, how do you have this many clients? Some of them don't like themselves. Yeah, I know, it's yeah. mad. Yeah. But so I think I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a nice crossover when I know a lot of people uh, that, have, that have sort of fed back to us after the first, uh, first few episodes have, um, have definitely referenced that point of trying to balance the, the, you know, the nine to five or the sometimes seven till seven and then train outside it, whether that be a super early start, a long commute into London or wherever it may be. Um, but we're all actually going through the same challenge of how do you just find the time to do it, right? I would argue there's points in my career where I've spent... 17 hours in a gym in the same building no windows in my office and then at the end of that day i have to train and it's the same music that's been repeating for every hour it's on a loop you can't train because people asking you questions about equipment and, and things like this the last thing you want to do when you spend 17 hours in the building is train mm -hmm. this is exactly what i was literally following on from what matt just said as, and i was gonna say like you will completely get this and i'm only realizing it now but like uh on a monday i've spent seven hours at my place of work, classes, PT, bit of admin. And then it comes to the end. Like I've started an early shift. I finished at like one, two o'clock. And then it's like, I want to work out. I need to work out. But again, it's the same music you got. If, even if I'm in there with my headphones, someone comes in and they're like, oh, can you just show me how to use this? Like, this is my time. Like I really need to just get this over and go home. <laughs> like, and, and but you can't say no, you've got to, because it's, you obviously you want to sell yourself. You want people to be like, oh, actually he's a really nice guy. And I would love to have him as a PT. So you've constantly got, you're in work mode, even though it's your time. And like you said, you, I need to be in shape because I want to preach what I practice, mm. you know? Mm. So again, it's completely- Yeah, I went through a little phase where I just did bodyweight workouts at home because I didn't want to spend extra time in the gym. Yeah. And um, I managed to maintain a good physique doing that. So you don't have to be a member at a gym if you don't have time. A lot of stuff on my website is home workouts, you know, bodyweight stuff, a kettlebell, a dumbbell. You can, you can, lose a lot of body fat just by doing that and, and dialing down your, your nutrition. And there's, uh, I spend a lot of time away, <clears throat> a bit of hotel living, you, know, you, you don't get good nutrition because yeah, everything's got fries on it, typically speaking in the hotel restaurants. And, uh, and those, um, you know, getting on YouTube and just finding uh, a good hotel room workout, right? There are, there are things like the chair where you can just, just get involved, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and even if you can just find 30 minutes, Especially, I think it's good to switch off from the day as well because when you're working away, before you know it, you're looking at the clock and it's nine o'clock and you're still in your emails. So I think yeah, even having that little kind of release of a, a 30 minutes in the in the hotel room can be just as valuable. So. 100%, yeah. So going back to the nutrition, um, as we mentioned, and I'm sure if people look look you up, they're going to see that transformation You know, from, from the 58 kilos we talked about. Um, Talk to us a bit about that. How have you gone through systematically building to, you know, the physique that you ultimately wanted? And we're, we're really conscious, Chris and I, that this is not about, you know, kind of for some people, it's just about being able to eat a bit more, right? That they want to eat, but then they kind of burn it off. Other people have very uh, clear aesthetic goals. Other people just want to be able to run further. So it's not necessarily about being this kind of body beautiful mindset, but, but for you personally, obviously with the competing you wanted to do, protecting yourself in those types of um, uh, contact sports, having a bit of size obviously helps. Yeah. So just talk us through that. Uh, well, one thing I will say is if I met myself now, 10 years ago, that little 58 kilo kid would have kicked my ass. So <laughs> never judge a book by its cover. You know, people, yeah. the way you look is irrelevant yeah. to how you perform in the sports field. Right. But in terms of nutrition, it was just eating in a big calorie deficit for a long period of time. 
and then get to a point where my physique, I couldn't see my abs, so I dialed it in a little bit. Okay, my, my obliques are like a little bit, um, you know, not, not popping as much, so I started in a little bit more. I need some more width on my back. And um, the goal always was to compete on stage. And I've done it six or seven times now. Never again, no more. <laughs> it's, um, it's a very strange sport to be a part of. I don't have any aspirations to be in the IFBB Pro and have the genetics for that. It's, uh, you've got to be blessed with some good genetics to, to get to that level. But you get, you get guys backstage in the Conan Fake Town wearing budgie smugglers and they're psyching themselves up and starting fights with each other. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Come, we're in a beauty pageant, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're walking around on stage in your budgie smugglers. Relax, it's cool. Coming from a fight in the background, that's yeah. very different. The polar opposites almost. Yeah, yeah for like, sure. So that was a little bit weird, but it was just, I wanted to grow my physique. I, every year I'd measure my, uh, my quads, my calves. Calves haven't grown very much, <laughs> team no calves. My arms and um, just jotted down a little diary. And you know, one year I've, I've grown four inches, the, the next year you've grown 0.4 inches. Mm. And it's just keep moving forward, knowing that you're playing the long game. You know, transformations don't happen overnight. If you're trying to build muscle, it's a lot harder to build solid muscle than it is just lose body fat and reveal what you already have. This is, I was literally, I can't remember who I was talking to at work, um, but everyone, obviously losing weight is hard. Everyone's got a starting point. Everyone's got their fitness journey. But for me, the hardest thing, which people don't understand, is it's, it's actually so much easier to lose weight than yeah. to put on good, solid muscle mass. Like, even with you, Matt, we've been PTing for, oh, I don't know, the best part of like, what, six months? Mm -hmm. And you're in good nick, barely any body fat. But like you, you want some of those aesthetic gains where you can see the visible gains from the work you're putting in because you work really hard. But then we talk to you about your diet and you eat really well, but then you're so active. It's like, okay, well, let's just, let's tot up those calories. Let's say you're burning 3000 a day, but with the amount you're eating, you're probably only eating like 2200, even though you feel like you're eating a lot. It's just to put on that weight. You know, you spoke about calorie deficit, which is obviously a massive word in this day and age. Everyone's <laughs> talking about it, you know, um, but then it's the opposite. You need that surplus and the surplus of the good stuff to make sure that you're putting on that mass. And I think, especially if you live an active lifestyle, once you realize how much you actually need to eat, you realize that's actually, it's hard. And it's Gaz, hard, yeah. specifically, when you're talking about you know, building that, that good muscle, as, as you put it, what are the kind of things that you were eating? Like, what is, what's a go-to for people? And, so and how I've, did you I've get tried it all, I've done it all. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes. If I knew what I knew now, it probably would have taken me four or five years. Buy McDonald's for a week, night. every day, every breakfast. Yeah, I lost weight doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah go check out that video if you want to see. Um, how a calorie deficit actually works. But long story short, it was, a big thing for me was, I was a student at the time, I didn't have much money. So I would do it as cheap as I could. I'd get a big protein shake, spoonfuls of peanut butter, a little bit of sugar, half a mile as well, blend it all up. That's a thousand calories straight away. And it's just like that quick hit of calories. Cause I was very skinny as a kid. I didn't have the appetite to eat a lot of food. So by having my uh, nutrition liquid form before I get to bed, full stomach, it made life a lot easier. And uh, one thing that was a, a savior when I was bulking was the tray bake flapjacks from Tesco. <laughs> 65p and you've got like 1800 calories there. So I'd be driving back from the gym eating this tray bake, necking my protein shake. <laughs> really unhealthy, bad for your teeth, yeah. bad, bad for everything, high blood pressure. But if you want to add muscle, you need to, you need to push yourself to a point where you're uncomfortable. Um, one thing I would recommend is my fitness pal. So if you can work out where you are, work out your maintenance calories, eat 500 above that, so you're in a calorie surplus. If you're still lacking lean, you need to add some more calories on. If you're starting to look a little bit fluffy and you can't see your abs, 
are you going to keep pushing or are you going to dial it back in? That's the decision, decision that you need to make. Um, I was cool with losing my abs over the winter, but um, now <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm not lucky to put any muscle on. And Chris, from a swimming perspective, obviously the amount of workload that's going into that many kilometres in the pool, what was the, what was the diet regime like in, in the scholarship and then post? Um, I feel like a lot, like Gaz just said, is you're, I was in a position where we're doing so much training that I could kind of get away with eating what you want, not necessarily Mars bar smoothies with a protein and peanut butter, but you know, like it'd be, I could get away with eating what I want. And I spent the first, like my early years, again, if I could go back and change it, I would, because this is what I preach at my clinics is I, you can get away with eating what you want, but it's about putting the good stuff in. You put good stuff in, you get good stuff out. And I'm not saying eat salad all day, every day, but eat correctly, carbohydrates are good, use them wisely, your veg, your meats, all of that stuff. Um, but because I was burning like four or 5,000 calories a day, yeah. as a 15, 16 year old in boarding school, and this is like boarding school food, food, like this is slop. And then you come to Sunday and it's just a mixed concoction of every leftover you've had throughout the week. It's hard to find, to find that balance. So it might've been like, you'd have two protein shakes during the day and then I'd have something called casein, which I'd take before I go to bed. So there's a slow release of protein throughout the night because obviously if you're sleeping for eight hours that's eight hours that you're not feeding your body so slow release proteins all of this sort of stuff to try and find it but ultimately i was always in a maintenance i was never in a position where i could eat more than i burn but as swimming obviously you've got to pull your mass through a substance so it's it, you know you could put on a load of weight but then effectively you've got to train the body to pull the extra weight through the water so I found the balance eventually, but you know, like I said, if I could go back and do it all again, I would probably started eating the right stuff. But again, you, we, we found that knowledge throughout your career, everything you've you done, and you look, it's easy, hindsight's a wonderful thing, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's, um, it's easy to look back and be like, oh, I would have done it differently, but then that's what makes Gaz so good at what he does now, is he's got what he's learned on his journey, which makes you a great trainer, teacher, to tell people, actually, if you do this now, or if I did this when I was supposed to, things are a lot easier. Whereas when I go to the clinics, I'm like, if you did this, you won't have this problem when you get to my age. Difference between me and Chris there would be, he was doing a performance-based sport. So it's mm. really important what he eats. He needs to make sure his hormone levels are up, his micronutrients are there. Mm. When you're just looking to build a little bit of muscle, that doesn't, it's not a performance-based sport. And that's where the confusion with nutrition is. If you're training for aesthetics, or you're training for performance, they're two very different routes. Yeah. And uh, that's where the crossover gets gets confused a lot in the, in the industry. And how do you guys feel about supplementation? There's a there's obviously you know and and I, just to clarify here, you can go online, people can fact check. You'll read stuff that's true, inaccurate. Certain stuff will work for certain body types, certain for others. Like you say, you might be into performance. Some people might be looking just to look good. So there is no one size fits all. And in this era of social media, everyone's going to have an opinion. Everyone's going to feel like yeah. they're right. We're not here to prove or disprove any theories. All we're saying is you've done it. What worked for you, right? And so that's my kind of philosophy with this show is that what we share here might not be relevant for everyone, but you know, I got to know you guys and I've seen the results in person, whether you've been cutting for a photo shoot, whether you've been building, doing your seven day McDonald's challenge, whatever <laughs> it may be, uh, I've seen it work, right? So um, how do you feel about kind of the supplementation side of the, the industry? I was that guy that spent all his money on supplements at the start. They're expensive, man. Yeah, 16 amino acid pills in one day. You've got to stop your workout to take them. I've, I've tried it. I've never been a supplement whore. I've turned down a lot of sponsorships in the past because I didn't want to be that guy selling protein on Instagram. Um, that's not my aspirations. 
it's fine. I won't take it first. It's absolutely fine. It's fine. And, um, I, I was sponsored by a company for a while and I really liked their products. I was happy to be sponsored by them. Their products were brilliant. Uh, but then they were forcing me to push something which I didn't believe in and you know, morals and all that stuff. So I just walked away from it. They are important, but food is always going to be your number one. Um, there are some things I recommend everyone take if you're in the UK, vitamin D. Um, a high percentage of us are deficient in vitamin D, especially over the winter months. Uh, HZ multivitamin, we're all going to be deficient in micronutrients in if, we, yeah. if we don't have one of them. And um, omega-3 fish oils or glucosamine if you're pushing the age of 35 just to keep your, your joints in good nick. I think with, like, just reflecting on that is obviously... It's called a supplement for a reason. You're supplementing yeah. something. So at no point take stuff away and just then have this. It's to supplement a good diet. Everything says don't, it's not, a, it's not meal replacement. It's, you know, you're trying to supplement your lifestyle or your diet. And just to defend myself, um, I was sponsored by a company, JBC Nutrition, and they're batch tested products. So obviously as an athlete, I was drugs tested yeah, all the time and with a lot of su supplements and you know, some of the supplements that are out there, steroids and all that, there's a lot of cross-contamination. And if, even though I thought I'd be taking a good protein, um, if there was cross-contamination, I was, I'm putting it in my mouth. So obviously it was, I had to find a company or a product that I was safe and batch tested for me to use. Um, but yeah. That's something you believe in, which is good for your sport, right? Yeah. Try the pre-workout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, pre-workout, as long as there's caffeine here, that's all that matters. <laughs> pre-workout is pre-workout. <laughs> But no, that, that was something that was really important to your sport. Um, yeah. So like, if, if you were taking something which was mixed with a dose of steroids, that would be your career done. No, but, but like you're saying, there's the knowing now what I'd say both of both of us know is there are maybe like three, four, five products that you can take that are actually, I think, worth it. Like yeah. your multivit, you don't even need to be in, in the gym to take a multivit. I just think it's good. You're going to be deficient in something. Take it. You can't go wrong. And then for me, it's just creatine and protein. That's it. And then... BC2As if you fancy them, but apart, outside of that, I really, really don't think for the average person on their fitness journey needs anything more. If like, let alone that, just get your diet right, get your head on straight, and work yeah, hard. We're talking very minimal gains, like 0.5 to two percent when it comes yeah, to your exactly. five fine supplements. Uh, creatine, like Chris said, is a great product, most research supplement in the world. Mm -hmm. um, it's gonna squeeze an extra rep or two out of you and help you lift a little bit more. Recommend it five grams a day. So as we move into um, the new decade, obviously uh, one of the things we want to do with the show is promote people's credentials. So firstly, it'd be great for you to share, you know, where people can find out about you, contact you if they've liked what they've heard and maybe want to reach out for some, you know, for some for professional support. support. But um, when you just being part of the industry as a trainer and seeing all the gyms that are opening, seeing the, uh, the, the population of people getting involved growing, how do, how do you feel about that opportunity as you move forward? Yeah, so uh, if people want to check me out, gazfit.com, that's my website. Uh, you can find me on socials at Aesthetic Gaz. In terms of the industry itself, I think it's great to see. Um, I got into fitness when it wasn't necessarily cool. It was kind of like, why are you going to the gym? Why are you exercising? It wasn't a cool <laughs> thing to do. Now you like a brand like Gymshark. Um, you know, everyone wants to wear Gymshark and, and look the part. It's like a little family. And you've got so much choice in Bath. You've got tons of boutique studios, global health gyms. It's nice because what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for someone else. So you've got choice and you haven't got any excuses. There's plenty of 24-hour gyms around Bath now. You've got a, a brand new one opening up with Pure Gym. 
So you can train at midnight, early in the morning, on your lunch break. It's just nice to have the option. And I think it's good that we're getting a lot more health conscious as a, as a country. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, like you said, from the community aspect, there's so much choice and it kind of then eradicates the, oh, I don't have time. It's a 24 hour gym. You, you, can, you can always, always make time. But I think from a self-employed personal trainer, whatever it is background, having the choice, especially in somewhere like Bath, is great. Like it means, you know, I can spend three days here working at, at Flyer, three days working at F45. I've got clients here and there. So one, it makes my week super interesting and fresh. You know, I get to Wednesday and then I, I start somewhere else. It's completely different and I love it. And just having having so much choice and opportunity for a personal trainer, especially for self-employed right now, is, is a fantastic city to be a part of. It's good for competition as well. It yeah. forces you to be on top of your game. Healthy competition. And Football, for example, Man City, Liverpool, right? Pushed each other to the limit last year. If you're doing that with another trainer, you're just going to deliver a better product to your clients at the end of the day. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, and ultimately, I think that the, as a, a customer in that environment, you're going to end up with better experiences. Yeah. And that ultimately is, uh, I think, great for everyone. And and hopefully it will um, yeah, continue to put kind of buff on the map in terms of just being a real hub for, for fitness and you know, kind of healthy lifestyles. And how do you feel about that? As flipping, flipping the question on its head, as a... <laughs> You can call yourself a fitness enthusiast, I would describe you as. How, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I think it's great. I think um, uh, the, the variety there as well. So as you know, I was at F45 for, for a while and, and uh, I'd never done that HIIT training before. And um, I will categorically say that every guy, I can't speak for the girls, but every guy that I trained with in that sort of six to nine month period dropped weight. Mm. And that's why they were there. Everyone, you could see it in faces, in physiques, you know, abs were popping through for some guys. And, but, but, but I think that I've never done that in that high intensity. I never, and I needed that kind of circuit-based environment to kind of push me. Never really done burpees. <laughs> <laughs> you, that's, you, you definitely do burpees at F45, right? right. And, yeah, uh, um, breakfast at yeah exactly, yeah. And so, um, so that was great for me to kind of try and get into, you know, losing some of the body fat that, you know, kind of at 40, you don't want, right? Around your midriff and too many beers when you're 20 and stuff like that. Um, uh, but then obviously wanting to maybe put on a bit of size, it was a case of, actually, I need to go and lift. And so I needed somewhere that had to squat racks, I could go and lift some plates and stuff. And so having that variety and, you know, I'm a big fan of all the businesses. I don't think there's this, oh, I'm an F45er or I'm a fly or I'm a stanza. It's actually um, what suits what you're after. And there's different personalities in the gyms that you're, that you're passionate that, or that you relate to. And, and so being able to mix it up, I don't feel sort of disloyal from going one to the other. It's in, it's in tune with the goals that... Uh, that, that, that I have at the time, right? So um, I think more choice is great. Um, and, and I think what people need to remember in any business environment is it's not about being the number one in the industry. There are so many people, just walk through Bath tomorrow and see how many people there are, right? Just period. And that's without the tourism and the visitors. There is more than enough customers to go around. For every every single gym. Yeah. totally, and 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 it's not about winning the share of the pie. It's about growing the pie, right? And if 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 I think if all the businesses in Bath can do that, they'll all be successful. They'll all be fruitful. And that for me is um is something that I think the industry probably needs to get its head around. It's not about taking you know do I go to Tonic or do I go to F- it's like there are to get more people coming to the gyms well, you, and everyone's going to be successful. Yeah. Like you said, goals goals change. And it's not about the gym being number one. It's about being number one for the client at that time in their life. So F45 is the best place for you to be to start your fitness journey in 2019 and kick it off with a start. Okay, goals changed. 
fly is now the best place for you to be for your goals through 2020. That might change, you know, whatever that is. And yeah, I just think that's a great way to put it. You're just, you should be number one, trying to be number one for the client because cycles go, people come and go, like all the, the community that flies, some will stay, some, some will go, but then you'll get a new load of people in that their goal is now to be great at yoga or practice bar or whatever it is, you know, it's, it stems right back to that. Set your goals, achieve them, reset. Always reset goals. Don't fall off that bandwagon. Something I'm really excited about as well as um, being a retailer, you know, all you've heard for the last sorry, three, four years is businesses going out, yeah. right? There's, there's a statistic that was released actually last week that um, on average, six retail stores a day close down oh, wow. right six that's a huge number when you start multiplying that across the country and and there's a lot of reading that i do around like what's the future of the high street and you've got people talking about is it free parking is it actually what it is it's built around or, or a lot of people believe that it's going to be built around experiences so it's integrating the successful retailers that are selling a product with the successful businesses that can build experiences. And so I think what you'll see is potentially things like, you know, salons, gyms, yoga studios, integrating more into city centers. So it becomes a more experiential place. And this is why I think Bath has a great opportunity with the independent businesses we know. And a lot of our friends sat around this table have got, you know, barbers, tattoos, hair, beauty, whatever. And then, um, and then you've got the, you know, the more traditional retail, chains that people have been shopping in for a hundred years and if those two can integrate well it's about keeping people in the town or in the city for longer and so free parking as well then yeah so so chris Chris and i were chatting about you know imagine you could go to go to a gym friday after work then go and get ready straight out into town afterwards right that's a kind of a lifestyle thing right and maybe you see that in some of the bigger cities where there's the larger populations but i i truly believe that you know bath can can achieve that if if the owners kind of evolve their model to suit the needs of their customer base it's definitely going that way i mean you spend a lot of time in london so i'm sure you, london is a little bit ahead of the game yeah they're kind of doing that already um i was part of a gym in the past where we introduced a barber downstairs and you go to the gym on a Friday night, oh, pop up your arms. That'd be sick. Get a nice skin fade. Get a fade. Out to the town. Right, so yeah, ready, ready for the town. <laughs> get this kilo on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think more of that is definitely the way it's going to go. Um, guys that are already business savvy will be working on that. Yeah. But no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. So guys, look, thank you so far, so much for that. I mean, I enjoyed it. Um, I even, I know your story, but even just sat here listening to you, I, I had a great time. Um, I hope the listeners enjoyed it. Thank you for coming on. And yeah, we look forward to to talking to you again soon. Thank you very much for having me, boys. Much appreciated.